0: Hey, it's the October 12th edition of Three Songs Podcast.
1: Fantastic to be here.
0: Welcome. Shit, let's do that again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, three, two, one. Hi, it's the October 12th edition of Three Songs Podcast. Welcome. This would
1: be episode number 13, Mikey. You're
0: right, Bob. I can count. You can. Me too. <laughs>
1: Mekons!
0: That's right, the Mekons, Bob. John Langford, happy 60th birthday today.
1: What a magnetic or personality. Or yesterday.
0: Yeah, one of these days, recently.
1: Magnetic personality. I, and I think now he's had a long stint as a Chicagoan, but of course he's yeah. from Leeds. Sure. And that's very much the Yorkshire era, the early days.
0: Second 7-inch from 1978
1: right there. Yeah, classic. And uh, Absolutely. I don't I don't even know where to start as a Mekons fan but uh it's a band that I was I mean in a way kind of late to the game too. I remember um buying them on a buying a compilation when I was about 14 called Mutant Pop.
0: Mhm. And they oh, yeah. they
1: were on there. They were on there. I think that, that
0: song's that, on there in fact.
1: Definitely. Yeah, yeah, that song was on there. So <clears throat> they were Gang of Four was on there and
0: You know what that album is, or that collection is? It's it's a collection of seven inches from the Fast. Yeah,
1: Fast. Yeah, right. One of my favorite label logos of all time. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, great, (laughs) great early punk. You know, I guess art rock label uh, from the UK.
1: And they, they also kind of fit in with um, another one of your favorite bands. Who they also have played a lot of shows with the X. Absolutely frequently mentioned but absolutely uh, the mekons have gone through many style changes and somehow always
0: pulled them off for sure yeah they went country for a little while
1: yeah (sighs) yeah and they they, and that's where they hang out they hang out in this bar in chicago i believe it's called the hideout i know i've been there like two or three times and it's got a real kind of cool country feel to it and uh sally timms of course who is the uh incredibly talented female singer in the band they those two have been in chicago for a long time and uh, but i'll tell you i'll tell you an amazing Mekon story i was it was i was a h- huge fan of the band in the late 80s and probably their poppiest record would be a record called so good at hurts you ever listen to that record
0: I, I don't think i have i don't think so
1: Okay, so they're playing at this small club, this kind of small legendary club, which is now defunct called Maxwell's in Hoboken. I'm sure you've sure. heard of that, oh, right? Sure, of
0: course. Yeah, classic.
1: Okay, and they were, they were one of the, those bands that would sell out the place and bring down the house. So it was like a big night when they got, I think it was an, sort of a bit of an annual thing, like definitely one of their regular places to like do a show in front of like their adoring fans because they had just a really Dedicated cult sure. following.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, and it was rammed in there. And rammed means like a place held probably 250 comfortably, and there was probably like 350 in there. So it was like stuffed to the gills, hard to get a drink type thing. And the beauty of it for me is at the time I lived about 150 yards from Maxwell. So <laughs> convenient. On certain nights, and certain nights when you weren't sure whether or not you wanted to go see the band, you could stand outside with a couple of tall boys and listen to the band, then if you decided to get in, decided to, you know, you wanted to go in, you could, you know, it was, you got like a preview right on the sidewalk. It was just <laughs> kind of a fantastic service that the, the bar probably unknowingly provided. It was actually kind of a fancy restaurant with a club in back. So anyways, this one particular night, um, and I'd already gone in, and uh, I'd actually hidden a six-pack outside because I knew I I, I would there's a couple of dumpsters there that you could hide beers under. And it was impossible to get bar service. There's a tiny bar with one bartender, usually one with a sneer. And, uh, so I'm out there having a beer outside and just me and this other dude. And he's, he's definitely touched. He's definitely a bit crazed Mm -hmm. and he's pacing, pacing back and forth. I don't know whether he couldn't get in or whatever. And I was like, Hey man, what's up? And he's, he kept saying over and over again, like, I really got to talk to John Lankford. I really got to talk to him. I really got to talk to him. I really got to talk to him. And I'm like, well, he's a great guy. Like, I mean, I didn't know him, but I think I maybe met him once or twice. And I was just like, man, thank usually I want to meet, you know, legends that I revere. I'm always like, thanks for coming. Thanks. Thanks a lot for coming. So, so he's pacing back and forth nervously and. And I'm like, this guy, like, he might do something crazy. Okay. And right about right when I thought that he, he, he reaches into the dumpster outside of Max, big dumpster. And he pulls out the tailpipe assembly of a car. Okay. (laughs) Like this huge piece of like, like old bottom of a car, like about probably about four feet long and really heavy and just throws it. Through the back window of Maxwell's, this huge glass window. Okay, and there's people like I mean, there's like, nobody got hurt that I'm that I'm aware of, but obviously there's this huge crashing sound and and the music stopped, and it's just me in the sky, standing out there. Well, of course, as soon as the guy threw the this massive car part thing, <laughs> show stopped, and people start running outside, and I'm the only person standing there. I was stunned. And the guy runs off. So suddenly, like, <clears throat> this guy runs off, and I don't know what to do, and the first person that comes out to chase him is Bob Burt, who's a Hoboken regular, and
0: sure.
1: first drummer in Sonic, Sonic Youth, Youth. And yeah. it, at this point, he was in, I believe he was in Pussy Galore at the time.
0: Bewitched. And
1: yeah, Bewitched, yeah, with Suzanne, the famous lighting designer for Sonic Youth and R.E.M. Yeah. And, um... And so he, at first, he, like I'm standing there and I couldn't have looked more guilty, but I, I, <laughs> 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 the first thought was that I'd done it, you know? And I was like, the guy went that way. And then suddenly I'm, I'm joining a group of like six to eight people that are like chasing this guy down the street. He's very fast and he's long gone. And uh, I remember Bob Burt like yelling something at me, like, why'd you fucking do that? And I was like, I didn't do that. That, that guy did. And he's like, you know, he's like standing on the corner. So he runs off. So like a bunch of people chase him. And then like, eventually like after a half hour break and making sure everything was all right, the Mekons restart their show with a, a massive window out in the back of the venue and went on to, of course, do an incredible Mekon
0: show <laughs> and suddenly you could hear it a lot better from outside huh
1: yeah 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 Which in the, and I think some people might have left or into' so yeah. it's more comfortable inside but yeah weird weird experience wow. like I've never seen it I've never seen or been a part of anything like that and it was so strange so It was just me for a second like trying to like console this guy like you can you can talk to this guy he's like approachable like just go talk to him remember being like just go talk to him I mean, like, right. or talk to him when he's done.
0: And you had no idea what you were dealing with.
1: And then all of a sudden, I turn around and there he is, like you know, grabbing this huge thing, and I'm trying to identify what it was. And I ne- never actually saw what it was, but it, it was definitely some sort of thrown away. It looked, it was like a tailpipe assembly. So whatever. Very strange moment, my <laughs> and my show going experience at one of my favorite all time clubs. So that's a, beside the point. Tell me real quick about. You know your your experience with Mekons.
0: Well, you know the Mekons. You mentioned similar to the X. You know, I think they're another band like the X. They they didn't know how to play their instruments when they first started. Uh, you know, and well
1: they hit they hit that well. And they they sure did. I learned how to play. Well,
0: but their early their first seven inch never been in a riot. You know, is sort of a uh, it's 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 like basically trolling the Clash White Riot. You know, and they were saying right. like. Yeah, we've never been in a riot, you know. Like we don't know. We're just we're just dudes from Leeds, you know. Like this is like this whole punk thing about oh yeah, it's a riot. We're rioters, you know. Like no, you know. Like they just were they were goofing on it and kind of. I learning. like the
1: way bands from that era are referred to instead of being referred to as bands at the start. Like bands that don't know how to play their instruments are referred to as art. Collectives before they learn how to play their <laughs> exactly. bands before they learn how to play any exactly it's like, yeah they're an, art, they're an art collective so
0: they so. kind of figured it out as they went along and actually there's a good documentary it's on netflix if you're interested uh, oh yeah worth watching seen it. called revenge of the meekons well, i've is, heard of
1: that for sure that's that's kind of a kind of a big deal
0: well that's the name of one of their songs i think from the rock and roll yeah. album um and it's you know it's an appropriate name for the for the documentary. Absolutely worth watching. Uh, kind of tells that whole story about how well, you know
1: there are like Mekons complete. It's Like yeah, I knew a guy named Eddie Dean.
0: I knew yeah. an Eddie Dean too, but I'm guessing it's not the same Eddie Dean.
1: It could very well be. He's kind of a legend
0: in Portland, uh, Oregon.
1: He was in Portland for a while. Yeah. Was he? Was it? A, was it a small man? Kind of. Like about 55, 53, 55 now.
0: Uh, maybe a little older. In case i don't from know.
1: Richmond, the other hmm. dean I know, but he hmm. was um, one of the most respected DJs I was around, the college radio DJs I was around. And his, we all loved him. We all looked up to him. He was a few years older than us, and he was really smart. And he got to a point where he was so tired of all bands that he only really liked. Mekons and Beach Boys. Okay. So, <laughs> so he had a radio show and he would just play Mekons and Beach Boys, which was kind of. <laughs> which So like he was a complete Mekons completist and he would like. Whenever they came on the East Coast, he was a 10 show guy. Like it was yeah. like take your vacation from your, you know, cruddy post college job and go see as many Mekons shows as possible. And I don't even know how well he knew the band, but just completely in every way shape and form love every bit of that so we couldn't help but get cut off caught up in his enthusiasm and and um you know i look at my if i flip through my records today there's there's some mekons records in there but like i'm far from a completist even though i'd love to see them yeah uh for sure you know and, and sally i'm a huge she's a beautiful singer i'm Huge fan of her work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you should check out the documentary. And anybody listening that's not familiar, watch it. If you have Netflix, it's easy to find.
1: Yeah, they're Uh, a band that I think that, you know, their name, Mekon's, like, uh, people just, you know, don't, don't latch on to. I'd like to think they're, that they're at this point sort of underappreciated with people under forty.
0: They are, you know, and I think they're a little intimidating. They're one of those bands that, because they've been around so long, because they have such a discography, it's kind of incredible. Hard, like, I mean, yeah,
1: I'm say there's twenty things or something. Oh, more you know, than like, that, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah but yeah. it's
0: hard to know where to start. So, uh, you know. I guess just dive in. You know, fear and whiskey is their, I guess, for lack of a better term, their country record. That's a fantastic one. Rock and roll, which I mentioned, is really good. Um, so,
1: so, so good it hurts is like a really peaceful, uh, uh, political pop record. Yeah, no, there's Some there's great a songs. A
0: bunch of, I mean, and that's the other thing is they always reinvented themselves from record to record. They kind of sound different. So,
1: and I don't think they did it on purpose. I think it was just to like
0: keep from being bored
1: keep keep enjoying yeah (laughs) Yeah. keep enjoying keep keep enjoying what they're keep challenging themselves
0: right Right, for sure all right because they
1: (laughs) obviously weren't guided too much by i think they definitely did some sprinkling into bigger industry things but who knows well yeah to me I i think of them as a as a Incredible independent rock journey, you know.
0: And and John had a, had a number of other groups. He did some solo stuff. You mentioned he collaborated with the X. You know, there's the three Johns. Uh, three
1: Johns. He did a lot. of yeah. work With. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, we we we've, we've spent what fifteen good fifteen minutes talking that's about what the we I mean, yeah. that's
1: some heavy duty act. That's yeah. a heavy duty act. Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. I'm gonna
1: take us to the light duty. I'm gonna take us to the '60s. I'm gonna take us to. Um, when you played Irma Thomas, this is the first person and Irma's body of work is far, far bigger than that of Shirley Ellis. This is a woman from, from the Bronx. Her parents were from the West Indies. And, um, she actually, the song on a play actually sold, it was released in the late sixties and sold over a million records. Hmm. And it's, it's it's the clapping song. It's like a, it's a real fun party
0: song. Nice. Well, I don't think I've heard it before, or maybe I've heard it and I just don't recognize it, but um, I didn't play it before the show, so I wanted to listen, listen to it fresh, so let's get to the music. Dig. Three, six, nine, the goose
2: drank wine, the monkey
1: Okay, so she's Shirley Ellis, she's known for basically three what are called novelty hits, which I think don't do justice to all three sort of classic pop songs in the 60s. The Nitty Gritty, you might have heard that one. I, def- I bet you'd rec- recognize the name game.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, just fun-loving fun-lovin music.
0: And I've definitely heard the clapping song before. I just didn't realize it was that song, which, you know, I mean... I I had forgotten how much Tom Waits stole that song for Clap Hands, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but from Rain Dogs, classic song, Tom Waits era, early '80s.
1: Well, good to know she had influence because I I think she was kind of ref, you know just a woman that lived from the late '20s and lived to be 76, and her career was rather brief, and she was just you know considered a chart artist.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and it's. D- do you know the Tom Waits tune I'm talking about? Not offhand. Let's play it. Let's see. Let's see if let's see if it plays. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll snippet it. We can talk over it a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's kind of Tom when he changed from being like a lounge singer to being like a weird, creepy, strange dude. Early '80s, 1981, but. Uh,
3: Oh, I
1: see it. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. Was, yeah. Definitely referencing that song. Yeah.
0: When he does, he even does the you know the monkey got choked, they all went to heaven in a little bro boat line. You know, He's, there's a lot of. Uh, oh, I didn't, I
1: didn't even know that. I've heard that song before, but I never would have. I yeah. actually have heard that song before, but.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yep. You, do you ever see Tom Waits live?
0: I never have. Uh, Me neither,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I never saw him live. I had a chance one time in Denver. He was playing down the road from where Pavement was playing, and and um, I think all of my bandmates went, but I was too nervous about our own gig.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I was never that kind of guy that could just be like, yeah, I'll just go see this really cool thing happening in the town, and then, you know, then somebody go play back into show. the dressing room, yeah. to, you know, <laughs> I always admire musicians that can do that type of thing because, you know, I had to get some sort of like, for lack of a better way of putting out some sort of mindset to play a gig. But what are you going to play next?
0: <clears throat> I'm going to go current. I'm going to go with yes. an album that was released last year. This is an artist that I don't know a whole lot about. His name is Carl Blau. I know he's from B-L-A-U? the Northwest. B L A U. He's from the Northwest. this album came out on K Records K/ slash, it was co-released with a label called Bella Union. Uh, he's from Anacortes which is um, kind of I think it's up on the sound in Washington um, best known for uh, uh, you know beat happening um, I, the Langford Brothers, one of the one of the beat happening members is it Langford? God, now no, I'm. I'm you still done? We're not gonna talk uh, about the Mekons. Anymore no, tonight. no, but who who am I thinking of? <laughs> what what are the names of the, the beat happening folk?
1: I mean Calvin Johnson, and I can't remember the others off the top of my head.
0: Yeah, well, anyway, one of one of them was from Anacortis, and uh, his brother um, was in a band called the Crabs.
1: Don't challenge me with indie rock trivia I'm questions.
0: Sorry, For man. Sakes, I'm man. sorry. I'll I'll actually look it up while we're talking. But anyway. Carl Blau's from there. He put out a few records on his own. He put out a bunch of stuff, actually, that I haven't heard, um, really just kind of on his own stuff. Um, Maybe he's on his own label, a bunch of cassettes. Uh, He played in some bands like Mount Erie and uh, The Microphones. Brett Lunsford, that's who I'm thinking of. Not John Langford, Brett Lunsford.
4: Brett Lunsford,
0: uh, in Beat Happening, was from Anacortes, same town as Carl Blau, you know, it's that whole K Northwest scene. Um, yeah, but uh, I heard Let's hear this. what al- they're doing now. Well, I stumbled upon this album, and I was really taken with it. And this cool. song is nice stumble. Yeah, that's how we
1: find out about. That's how we find about things. We stumble upon them, or somebody like says, "But you know, like you should listen to this, Bob or Mike or yeah, or you know, who knows for how sure." It works, but.
0: but you know, I I was not expecting this. It's 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 a very like. It's kind of labeled pseudo-country, but that doesn't even cover it. It's just a really beautiful song. Anyway, the song is called That's How I Got to Memphis. It's Carl Blau from his album Introducing Carl Blau on Three Songs Pod. Rad.
4: Somebody enough You'll follow precious time, forgive me if I start to cry. That's how I got to Memphis, that's how I got to Memphis, that's how I got to Memphis.
1: That was very charming
0: yeah it's a nice pretty pretty little song very, isn't pretty, it? very yeah.
1: pretty dreamy song and the background singers really make make the song fantastic sounding. for sure
0: for sure yeah it's it's yeah. fun like i was not expecting that you know i mean you know what k record sounds like and uh,
1: well i mean k in 2017 i don't
0: well so. for sure but yeah it makes was,
1: sense it all makes sense you know, beautiful
0: little song cup. yeah
1: yeah I appreciate that. Very dreamy. I, I enjoyed that. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll play a song that I guess needs no introduction. I'm sure it's. Uh, it's off. At really least what, to me, it doesn't. Be.
0: Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's to the listeners, me, it's it does.
1: A, it's a meticulous recording, right?
0: And we talked about Probably. it a, f- a few uh, shows ago too, a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's to, uh, you know, to me, it's classic rock. You know, at this it point, is. and it uh, really is. You know, so yeah, it's, uh, it's slint off of Spiderland. Good morning, Captain.
0: Yeah, this is the their kind of their opus
1: from Louisville.
0: From Louisville.
1: Uh, how, how do you pronounce that? Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> You're getting better. <laughs> So I'd venture to say that there have been more bands started up after they listened to that album than internationally, (laughs) than any other album.
0: Very possibly. I mean, it's amazing. Like, I don't think we can overstate how influential that record was. then the weird thing is, I also don't think that they're that popular these days like i think for for folks like you and me who are around at the time and realize how influential they were to other bands you know they're big but i don't think people are like i don't think they're getting the current attention the way say oh i don't know pavement might or a band from their era who are not Around anymore, partly because they really only released that one record. You know, they had MVP. well, Tweez
1: before it, with yeah, Ethan but Buckler it was from King Kong. And mm-hmm. Ethan, Ethan quit the band because he didn't like recording with Steve Albini. Yeah, who recorded both Tweez and that record, which is, of course, a big part of the incredible label Touch and Go.
0: Sure, sure.
1: And I mean, Albini is, you know, I think that's by far, I think Steve Albini. He's a legendary. He's from Big Black and legendary mm-hmm. record Shellac, producer yep. on so many levels. Okay, he he recorded. That's his favorite rec- favorite thing that he ever recorded. Yeah,
0: well, and he he recorded a Nirvana album that I think did pretty well too.
1: We're talking about a bunch of kids from Louisville, and that yeah. and that was the debut of Todd Bershear in the yeah. band. Yeah, who's like the the least known member of Slint because it's. David Pajo, mm-hmm. who actually he played in the A.A.S. Uh, he played keyboards for the A.A.S. I'm not sure if he's doing touring with them currently. Brian McMahon, of course, who... Brian and Britt, right. they were in Squirrel Bait when they were like 16, 17, and they looked like they were like 13.
0: <laughs> right. right, for sure. Uh,
1: and they, were, um, they were in a band called Langwood and Flaccid when they were like 12. These were like these punk rock kids that you know had this amazing amount of experience as teenagers and then they basically concocted just these six songs six songs okay right and and they did it in like in a basement and they worked it and worked it and worked it over and over and over and over again so there was like no like the dissatisfaction with like each time i don't even know if there's other songs involved like one thing you have to know about slint is there's an amazing amount of it's like a it was like a weird secret organization yeah okay <laughs> and um and they and they were protected in louisville they were and they, i mean that to me that's like Lu, like louisville folk music
0: For you know sure. like yeah
1: that's what it's like to me like that's because that that is that is that is louisville that's that's like as Louisville as it gets,
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay, and Rodan, a band that they heavily influenced, was very—I mean, clearly, like you know—heavily influenced by Slint. Yeah, and but but everywhere I'd go, like during that era, they're like, "Hold on, you moved to Louisville. Do you know the guys in Slint?"
0: Mm-hmm. They, were legends. At the, at the they time, were legends at the time. They were
1: practicing yeah. Yeah. as Palace Brothers. So, oh yeah be a yeah. part of will oldham's band
0: right you know so right and i mean think records would sell back then to a certain audience just because oh there's a slint member in this like i was buying things based on oh there's a slint member in this you know like it didn't and even they were matter looked, they
1: were looked upon as mysterious every yeah. everywhere they, they right. went because that's i don't even know if it was a conscious choice it was just like that's that's the kind of people that they were but at the same time like when they were during the the first era of my experience in Louisville as a resident, I lived with Brett, and for a time Will lived in the basement of the house, and and they they would practice like two or three times a week. Um, that first great Palace Brothers record, yeah,
0: um,
1: it's a pink one. It's called right. uh, "There There Was No One." What will with, no one who will take care of? There was no one. What will take care of you? Something like that. that. That's Fantastic right. record. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was drunk at the pulpit, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, uh, writing, I mean, Mm -hmm. the songs are so great. So they were backing up, one of their oldest friends, they they all went to Brown School, like a small, independent school in in Louisville, and I mean, I know some, I mean, obviously, like, again, like, it's one of those things, like, I don't really feel comfortable sharing too much information, I don't really know much, I didn't actually want to make those guys uncomfortable at any point, but... Uh, a friend of mine, Jack Barry, we'd sit there and read the racing form and and I'd cook some food and they'd be practicing in the house and I'd be like, my God, this is like the best band in the world practicing here. (laughs) You know? And that never really came to. Like, they actually planned a tour and then they pulled the plug on the tour the night before. Okay? Like, so, they were supposed to do a two-week tour as Palace Brothers and they pulled the plug on the tour. And I was like, come on, man. Like, this is the best band in the world. Like, make Uh Louisville great. Right. Like, for whatever reason like these boys have known each other since they were kids and they were still boys i mean they're like you know sure and i mean they they've all gone on to you know have great careers and they're back i mean they've had they got back together about six seven eight years ago and they pick and choose their spots and i mean i actually haven't ever seen any of their stuff from this millennium there's a documentary out about them that was made by my buddy Lance Bangs. who made the pavement documentary Slow Century. Nice. It's really good. And uh oh I mean we're talking about going to so we've we've recommended two two music documentaries on this show, so Yeah. But anyway, so we'll talk about them in, in future shows like you know, there's a And you know, I don't expect our listeners to be like, "Oh, if, I mean, obviously many of you know, whatever we have going on in our listener world, like some of them will have never heard that any of that before and they'll probably think like, Yeah, it was cool. Like, you know, it sounds like this, this, this and this. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, right. yeah. Right. That's the reason it right. sounds like that. this isn't this, this. You know right. so,
0: I mean and and, so. and I truly mean you you can't really overstate their influence. Like I would compare them in some ways to the Velvet Underground in in terms of they sounded like nothing before them. That album came out that whole slow build like it, there wasn't really anything that sounded like that at all you know it was like you put it on and you were like what the hell is this and then there were all these bands that ended up starting to sound like that and trying to emulate that um
1: you can't do it you, you can't do it you can't it's a lot a lot easier to rip off pavement
0: <laughs> fair enough fair enough um all right, well, and I'll,
1: I'll only speak for for Brit. Um, Brit was trying to figure out Slanted and Shannon Yeah around the time, I mean, I actually got to know him really well when he was doing the drums for a, another incredible record called Pod by the Breeders. Right. You.
0: I was. You know, it's funny because I was saying, and and I was actually going to mention this. Like to me, it was more important. Oh, this this band has a slint member. Like for me, that was I was you know the Pixies. I was a fan of. Sorry, you, my dog is coughing in the background. Little rags. That's is, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, um,
1: we, have, we have the rags involved. Rags is gone in. Rags is. Uh, uh, she's gone in.
0: She's got a little. She's got a little cough. But um, anyway, yeah, uh,
1: open the door for the ghost. But to, to go ahead.
0: To me, the breeders. I was more interested in. It's got the drummer from Slint. Forget about. I mean, Kim Deal's great and everything, but it's got the drummer from Slint, man.
1: Well, they were all great. I mean, it, it is a great album. And it was really fun to hang out with Brit during that era. Like myself and Mark Eibold were like got a huge kick out of me. such an interesting personality. And uh, in fact, when we drove down from New York for the Breeders' Cup in 1991. That's who we stayed with. And that was a big part of. Was it 91 or 92? What was the year of a Razi, 91, oh, right?
0: I I think so. Yeah.
1: So. And that's the first time I ever went to Churchill Downs. Like, essentially, like you know, Slint was like, okay, so where do you go? Like, you're going to be on tour a lot, and you can't afford New York anymore, and like you know, you love horse racing, so go to Louisville. So, like, you know, essentially, meeting. But the other thing, funny thing about that is Britt decided that instead of calling himself Britt Walford on that record, he he has a
0: <laughs> name right. of
1: a woman who that's I can't right. recall. Uh, yeah, and I, you're right. I was, I was. It's like who who is this name you've chosen on the record? And he's like, some girl, and I can imitate him, but a he he. I will imitate him. Okay, so he said, "Man, that's a girl that I went to school with <laughs> in like sixth or seventh grade that I thought was really weird." <laughs> you know. So it's just like okay, let's you know. I mean, that's awesome. You know, and that's the way he and I haven't seen him in a while like he's a dad now. I think his daughter's got to be like <coughs> It definitely like I would guess if I had to guess, I'd guess around 12. Yeah. And and his mother Charlotte and his dad Ron were like incredible hosts and hostess to me when I moved there. I mean, I spent some wonderful nights in their their house and I know where they live. Like that's one. That's one. Those are some fine people that will let me in. <laughs> Fantastic.
0: Yeah. And your, your story you told a, f- a couple episodes ago about PJ Harvey wanting to sing with them. I mean, I was listening to that and trying to imagine PJ Harvey vocals on top of it. It would.
1: God. They. I think they entertained the idea actually because <sighs> they
0: would have been amazing.
1: They liked her, but at the same time, they were like they couldn't imagine fitting her into the slint fold. So it was oh. like. This certain it was a very guarded experience and, and I shouldn't really speak for them because maybe it wasn't you know who knows yeah. I mean like to me like you just didn't press buttons with people like that you just like let them do their own thing and Todd who I mentioned earlier like went on to run an incredible it's like the last era of like of like really cool DVD rental shops he had this place called wild and woolly for Maybe even like twenty years. He actually opened it in one of these those like little dreaded little shopping rows that nobody said could ever work on Bargetown Road in Louisville, and then he had to expand to a bigger spot. And he's a fantastic guy, and I don't know, just lovely people, and pleasure to be associated with any uh, them in any way, including Ethan. And I really, I really enjoyed. Uh, I miss those. I miss those guys. You nice. know, And I'm going to touch with them a little bit here and nice. there, but. Well, again, you know, total respect.
0: One of these days, once we branch out to having guests, uh, maybe you can you can reach out. That would
1: and, be a real reach. I mean, yeah, if you, know. you had Brit on the show, he would be like, "Man, why are you guys even doing this?"
0: Uh, you know, I <laughs> <laughs> damn Brit, bring three songs. I don't know. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to oh, talk about? Cool. <laughs> no, they would be cool. You
1: know, but he would say like if like if to be honest with you, with all due respect if you played that Carl Blau song, he'd be like, man, why did you play that? You know, like <laughs> it <fine>. wouldn't be, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. Yeah, he's not like, a... yeah, it's a little bit of an interesting thing. Like, I mean, like I was going to say, like he was, he was like, man, I do not get what in the hell you guys are trying to pull off. And I'm not really sure I like it, you know? So <laughs> anyways, enough about him. In fact, I spent so much time with him for a while on uh, almost nearly a daily basis that, um, I, you know, he's one of those, he slows you down, like, he takes forever to, like, go places and leave, and it's just, uh, it's just this incredible, like, uh, deliberate way of living, but hmm. uh, what a fantastic drummer.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, for sure. Anyways, what are you going to play? <laughs>
0: Well I'm I'm going to change things up. I was going to end with or I was going to end my songs. You've got one more song to go, but I was going to I was going to play Squeeze, but I'm going to save that one for a later show. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to call an audible. I'm going to play a song that I mentioned to you prior. It's by a band called the Satans, who I, I I'm not even sure was really a band. You mentioned
1: they're a one-hit wonder. Um,
0: they, well, hit is even a, a, a pretty loose term. They released, do you know where they're from? They released one 7-inch. There's a little bit of debate. Some people say they were from Fullerton, California. Some people say they were from New Orleans. I don't really know. What we do know is it was released on a label called Manhattan. Um, okay. And we Okay. So know, right now,
1: basically, our listeners are thinking like, Why do those guys like that Slint song so much? Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, And now now you're going to play something crazy. Now
0: I'm going to play something crazy. From 1966, this is a 7-inch, and um, it was produced and written, I think, by a guy named Bob Summers, and some people think that it was essentially a studio creation, the Satans were a studio creation of Bob Summers, Um, and I I think he's the, the... Word is he's the brother of mary ford of the les paul mary ford fame um for whatever that's worth but uh this is just a fun little like punk garage song from 1966 listen kill to us it. kill us it was not really that popular at all i can't imagine a band called the satans was played very often on on radio but i'm pretty sure someone why not why yeah, not i'm pretty sure someone heard it and um and, and kind of you know, you just listen you'll 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 hear what i mean anyway the satans hey, Ma- making deals 1966
2: i want you yes i want you baby cuz i'm the man
0: Guess my name.
1: Wow, that's a nugget. That's like one of those things off those great garage nuggets.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I got to imagine Mick Jagger heard that song, right?
1: There's no way he heard it.
0: You don't think? I mean, you think? No, You think? I don't, know, think, like, I don't think, know what
1: Mick's listening habits are like. I
0: don't, you think "Sympathy for the Devil" just happened to be? You know, I can. You know, I think that you? might
1: be a bit of a reach.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't Just know. A thought. But, I mean, like Just a thought. I mean, i to think so, but... Came out a couple years before. Who knows?
1: I mean, that's fantastic thought.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean perhaps it's, he did. It's not It's not a straight Maybe we should.
1: is there any way to, there's no way to contact Mick?
0: Uh, I don't know. You'd probably have a better connection than I Like, would. hell, I would, Mick <laughs> Jagger. Come on. <laughs> I Jesus. know people who know Yoko Ono, so maybe. I don't know, but... Uh,
1: Does she have anything to do with Mick?
0: Well, I don't she might know him.
1: They've been at the same cocktail parties or something? Probably.
0: She knows, she certainly knows Paul, who I'm sure knows Mick. Anyway.
1: I guess, I mean, we can't connect these kind no. of people. They live in a whole different space. That's right.
0: That's right. They're like. Like, it's not like we can they, like. They live on you know, other planets from us. They have
1: planet. they have, they have like planets with like, like security teams and like <laughs> yeah. essentially what we call guarded neighborhoods.
0: Right. For sure. Yeah. Not
1: not like not like Queens or Des Moines.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. No,
1: no. So, anyways, I'm gonna end the show. Like you know, unlike you right now, and there's nothing more boring than talking about weather. But are you still steaming up there?
0: No, it's cooling off. Thank you.
1: It's kind of actual like getting into like proper cold here. Like we had like da 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 -da, like 38 degrees. It's 50 out here now, and and there's some bands that it. You know, not even wear this span like year round, but uh, to me, like the when the cold air starts to blow, and maybe it's is because they're one of the greatest bands from Glasgow of all time, along with Mogwai. And, I mean, we can go on and on about Glasgow's the great Scottish industrial city with the lowest life expectancy in the Western world.
0: The fire um, engines look. are they from Glasgow too? Who's that? Fire engines? Do you know them?
1: Um, if I had to guess off the top of my head, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know. Yeah, I definitely know fire engines. I got a couple of their seven inches. I would. I they're, would from they're from
0: Edinburgh. The... So sorry, they're from Edinburgh. I just looked them up. Yeah. Edinburgh.
1: See, well, see, Edinburgh is like a, is like the, is a pretty city, and Glasgow is a a dark old town. Um, okay. And that's why so much like great art and music's been made there. And these are like, uh, I mean, this is a band that's very revered. A ton, incredible amount of work. Uh, very well critically received, very, very well-known band, Bell and Sebastian. Sure. I don't mean to say it like that, like everybody should know who the hell they are. But to me, they qualify because they've made tons and tons of great songs. And this is actually, this is off their seventh studio album, which I c- couldn't believe. It was during that little, you know, this is off a, a an album by Bell and Sebastian called The Light Pursuit. And it's when they were going through this, they'd made so many, you know, songs that were revered by critics that people were trying to figure out a way to get tired of them. And so I don't think it actually got the, the just do it received, but t- to me it actually stands up as, despite all their incredible previous work, If You're Feeling Sinister and The Boy With The Arab Strap and Tiger Milk and all all the great albums they made. And they're still, obviously, they're still going. Sure. Just do what they want whenever they want to do it, and I, I their label mates of mine, but I don't really know them. I mean, I've met them and I've seen them a handful of times. Really enjoyed myself. They're, you, you, if you do go see them and you're talking in the crowd, you might get shushed by their fans or one of those kind of bands, which is a, I think a terrible habit um, that people have adopted today of, yeah, like like this moment is so precious. Like, don't act like a normal person at a rock show. Yeah. So, and they are quiet, so that's probably part of it. They do generally play a bunch of very quiet songs, but this is a real favorite of mine. And I know that you like cutting lyrics from previous shows. I do. And this song is filled with cutting lyrics. This is Dressed Up In You by Bell and Sebastian of their seventh album somehow. And I, I, I'm going to guess... Yeah. can't remember the year, but go ahead and play her.
3: All right. up in you, you're a star now, I'm fixing people's nails, I'm knitting jumpers, I'm working after hours, I've got a boyfriend, I've got a feeling that that is seeing someone else, he always had a thing for you as well, blow in the face of my rivals, I swear right am by the language they act so discreet they are hypocrites forget them so fuck them too
0: Bell and Sebastian, it's a nice song, Bob. Well, it's not
1: a, It's actually not a nice song.
0: Well, it's a, it's musically and sonically a very. boy well, it's so old, yeah. No, yeah, lyrically, lyrically, I, I heard I heard a couple f bombs.
1: Well, I mean, you're made of card. You could knock your way out of a paper bag. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean and, and that's I mean, that's both, the
1: neither of us can act our way out of a paper bag. This
0: is true. Uh
1: you know, you but, got lucky, you ain't talking to me now, little Miss Pucky, pluck your eyebrows for the crowd. Get on uh, the airplane, you give me stomach pain. <laughs> it's
0: it's it's the juxtaposition. I mean, the music is so pretty and mellow and you're not expecting lyrics like that. And maybe you're not even you know, some people don't even pay attention to the lyrics unless they're well, they in your ought face. To you. Well, of course, of course. <laughs>
1: I but mean, if y- I were a punk band, if I was in a punk band worth of shit, I'd cover that song.
0: Yeah, well, and 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 I think the thing is, especially the way the production on that song, the music, kind of dr- not completely drowns out the lyrics, but you have to listen closely to make out what the lyrics are.
1: Well, Stuart Mur- Murdoch's a good singer, and he writes good lyrics. Things like blow in the face of my rivals i swear and rant i made quite an arrival the yeah. men are surprised by the language the accent so street they are hippo- hippo- hypocrites forget them so fuck them too
0: right right yeah i, I, <laughs> I, mean, pick, I picked that one up yeah I mean, it's a... his i've always felt like his vocals reminded me of another glasgow uh, musician uh, which would be donovan oh yeah ghost agrees
1: yeah, well ghost, you know it goes you know, ghost knows that song.
0: Yeah. Well cool. Um the other the last thing I'll say about Bell and Sebastian, um and one of the actually one of the things I remember most about them, uh you know, I'm I know them. I'm not a huge fan of them. I appreciate them, but I'm not that knowledgeable. Um Rags is uh She's trying to get settled in.
1: Oh, both our dogs are really getting involved. They're, they're in the getting show right yeah, now. they're they're I think, excited. I think this is their way of, of um, like cutting us off.
0: But uh, anyway, the, the, what I'll say about Bella and Sebastian. One of the things I remember most distinctly about them is I had some friends go see them, and when I was in Portland, they were playing in Portland, and the show actually went on on September eleventh, two thousand one. Right. Um. And, you know, I I just remember, I mean, I think all of us remember that day. Not a good spot for anybody to be in. No, not at all. And, I mean, I think especially for a band like Bell and Sebastian, who were here traveling in another country, and they were on tour. And we, we still, at that point, that evening, didn't really even know what was going on, hadn't completely processed what was going on.
1: Well, we still don't, really.
0: Well, no, for sure but uh but yeah so that that's one of the things I I still like weirdly associate Bell and Sebastian with because I had a bunch of friends that ended up going to that show and they were like should I go should I go see music should I you know like should I not like uh, you know and they they decided you know you got to live your life but like for me for whatever re- weird reason like that's a personal thing is I think of Bell <laughs> and Sebastian I just I remember September 11th
1: that's unfair to them. They have made a lot of brilliant songs. Of course, of course. So, anyways, we're going to go on a bit of a brief hiatus. We've jammed this week up pretty hard. Yeah, um, we did three gotta,
0: this week. We did three.
1: Yeah, the only, I, I, well, we won't be back until next Wednesday.
0: Yeah, that's why we did three.
1: I got to go down to Nashville. Nashville, my friend, my friend, dear friend Carol Tully's getting married, and uh, I got to. We have a bunch of quarter horse race.